that God ministers something to us this morning. Um, I don't have my New Testament, so I do need you to pull up a scripture real quick. Genesis 2, 7. Do what? Well, I don't have my, yeah, I don't have my Old Testament with my New Testament. Um, Genesis, the second chapter and the seventh verse. And I'm going to kind of get into an area this morning that I think probably I've never really heard preached. Uh, it might be, you might say, well, that's just kind of common knowledge. But um, there's just some things in here I think the Lord will uh, encourage us in, in our hearts. And I want to talk about the second Adam. Has anybody ever heard that term, the second Adam? Have you been in church a while? I know you've heard that term, the second Adam. And so I want to talk about that. But in order to do that, we've got to go to the first Adam. If we don't know who the first Adam is, then we're going to have trouble with figuring out who the second Adam is. And so we're going to go to Genesis, the second chapter, and the seventh verse. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Let me just insert in here that in the Hebrew, the word man that's used here every time is the word Adam or Adam. So God did not give Adam a name. He's just called man. That's kind of sad, right? Well, it's Adam and Eve. Well, it just means man. So anyway, Adam formed of the dust of the earth, being man, dirt, formed of the dust of the earth, and God breathes into him the breath of life, which is pretty amazing. If you will go over with me into the New Testament then in Luke, the first chapter, in the 30th verse, Luke, the first chapter, in the 30th verse. Hear the angel speaking to Mary. And the angel said to her, Do not fear, Mary, for you have found favor from God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And I'm sure the, the angel said, in the original sense, speaking in Hebrew to her, most likely, not in English and probably not in Greek, you shall call his name Yeshua. This one will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And I like this part. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Everybody say amen. That's us. We come in at the, at, the, at the latter days, but of his kingdom, there will be no end. Thank you, Lord. i got one more place that I would like you to go with me. First uh, Corinthians in the uh, 15th chapter. And this is where we're going to see the first and the second Adam. 
So the 15th chapter, 1 Corinthians, 45th verse. So also it has been written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. And the last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But not the spiritual first. Or excuse me, yeah. Not the spiritual first, but the natural. Afterward, the spiritual. And the first man was out of the earth, earthly. The second man, or second Adam, was the Lord out of heaven. Such the earthly man, such also the earthly ones, and such the heavenly man, and such also the heavenly ones. And as we bore the image of the earthly, we shall bear the image of the heavenly. Lord, I just ask you this morning that you would move our hearts, Lord, and center over to your word. May everything else flee for just a little while. For the complications of this life, if that's in our mind, and then we don't receive the word of God. So we ask you, Lord, we put it aside right now. I pray we just become vessels to hear your word. Touch us, Lord. Minister to us in our spirit. We'll be better for it, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus. Everyone said amen. First things first, the natural man. First things first. The natural man, the natural Adam. What it must have been like for Adam to wake up full grown. Can you imagine that at just one point in your adult life, you just woke up? There's a lot of people around talking about being woke. They're being woke up to the devil, not being woke up to the Lord. The only thing Adam knows is the Lord. That's it. That instant that God breathed down the breath of life into his nostrils and he became a living soul. He popped up out of there. And all we know is, is, is childbirth. You know, we're getting ready. We've got a couple in the oven right now. And all we know is the little one is born. You know, and then, then they start to learn. And as time goes on, they're taught. They learn all the things of life. They learn even how to crawl, how to, how to walk and talk and all of those things. They've got to learn all that stuff. But Adam, Adam's eyes pop open. And he is full grown, full strength, full ability. He just doesn't know anything. He hasn't learned anything, and so it's going to be a little process of him in learning. But this man that God made is complete and perfect. If Adam had never sinned, Adam would have never died. Can you imagine that? I mean, we think about 60, 70 80, 90 years. That's getting long and pretty long life. Adam, even after he sinned, lived 900 years. His body was perfect. There was nothing lacking. 
And the only thing that happened in him was when he fell, when he, when he listened to the enemy and he fell, then sin brought what? Brought death, right? And so the day that Adam fell, he didn't know death before that. Death began in his members. But this perfect, complete man, he's, you talk about the prototype of physical being. Now, I don't know if he was all muscle-bound and, you know, what they, what they put in front of you now is, is the perfect person, you know, the, the perfect woman, the perfect man. They're all cut and sharp and all that. But Adam lacked absolutely nothing. Now, God sees him, and the only thing that, that he may lack is that he doesn't have a partner. He doesn't have any fellowship with anyone. He fellowships with the Lord, but he has no fellowship with humanity. He's just the only single human being. Now, we can go a lot of directions with this. A lot of people want to talk about those that were before Adam, but I'm going to stick with the Bible. Is that okay? Those that, that roamed the earth, the Neanderthals and all that. I'm just going to let that go. They can believe whatever they want to believe. I'm starting at the Bible. And so the Bible declares to us that Adam and Eve was the mother of all living. So I don't want to say, there's people said, well, God replenished the earth. And it was going on before, and then something happened, and then so he replenished it with Adam. No, that's not where our story starts. Our story starts with Adam and starts with Eve. God's the first one that does surgery. And he puts Adam out in a deep sleep. Now, we know that he took the rib out of Adam's side, right? So, is it true that women have one less rib than men? Is that true? Some, anybody know that fact? I don't know for sure. I've never counted. So, I haven't, Kate, I don't know how many ribs you have, but, you know, she can sure rib me once in a while. But he takes more importantly then, you know, arguing over a rib or not, he takes out of Adam some things that make him now incomplete and puts them into a woman, presents that woman to Adam and says, now you are complete again. The two of you shall be as one. Two men is not the equation. Two women is not the equation. There's only one formula for a man being a whole man. And that is when he takes the wife. Can everybody say amen? I love that. I love it. That's what we're going to preach here. Let me say, no, we need to expand. You need to go, go to another church. We're not expanding that. Marriage is about bringing together to make a whole unit. And so here's Adam who had everything, and now God takes out of him and puts into Eve. And so I'm thinking about this, and, and uh, all of you know this that study the Greek New Testament. Show the Greek languages, in fact, Spanish is this way a lot, is that in the Greek language, you have the masculine and you have the feminine. 
And what happens is the masculine always goes to strength. And this is in the language. And the feminine goes to quality. And I'm not sure I like that. I feel like we're quality too, right? But it makes this difference, this separation between. Um, and so it's, it's like... If you raise your children not knowing the difference between a man and a woman, don't be surprised that they try and switch genders. It's up to you to raise them to know the difference. And I'm not just talking about outside features. A woman is not a man. They do not have the same emotional makeup as a man. They have different qualities. So our world around us is trying to break that all down. It doesn't matter. A woman's the same as a man. A man's the same as a woman. They're just, they're just in different bodies. No, that's not the truth. And they're proving it now, and they're coming back, and they're saying, I've, I've, I've heard many of them now that have said, I tried to convert from being a man to a woman, but I always knew I was a man. I could not be a woman. You know Why? Because they can't get the qualities of the woman. God made a separation there. Your men are men. Your women are women. We need to teach our, our men not to be feminine. Somebody say amen. Our, our men, I, I, we were talking about this in the bird world. In the bird world, the, uh, the, the adult birds, most of the time, the male uh, gender of that, whatever bird it may be, it's the beautiful one. We saw a turkey out, and so it started a conversation with Kana. We saw a turkey out. Man, he, was, he had his feathers up, and he was looking good. And a poor little hen, she's just little brown, you know, nothing. just. And, and then, you know, you look at Kay's dad raised birds, and it, I'm telling you, some of the most beautiful, awesome. You ever see a peacock? You don't want to see the female. She's not very pretty. The peacock, he's just beautiful. And in the bird world, it's always the male. But... Let me tell you something. When we get to humanity, God made it different. Our women are the one who are supposed to be pretty. We're trying to make men pretty. No. Don't make your boys pretty. Make your girls pretty. Now, I'm speaking against a lot of the holiness movement here because the idea is to make your women look bad. And they got the men all prissied up and looking good. No, no, that's the opposite of what God wants. What he wants is a definition between men and women. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise right there. That's good stuff. That's what we're going to preach. It's what we've been preaching for a while. In fact, we even had men's uh, Mondays and manly. We believe that. Because there's an issue. Look at our world now. We haven't trained our boys to be men. We've trained them to look pretty. I don't want any pretty-looking men. I want some strong-looking men. Come on. And a real woman that has her, her head on straight doesn't want a pretty man. She wants a man that is strong and strong in his, in his beliefs and strong in, in, in his physique. That's what a woman really want somebody to protect her. Can you say amen? Somebody to guide her, somebody to help her. And we've got this thing so messed up. But in the beginning, the Lord said, it was not so. But Adam now, 
with this, this fullness, and he has a fellowship with God. And I believe that once God separates the man and the woman and brings them back together, they too now have this fellowship with God, pure life in the image of God. Even though it's going to be 4,000 years before that image is demonstrated in the earth, Adam now is a complete man. But let's don't forget about him. He is of the earth, earthly. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but you are never going to get to the spiritual place where you don't deal with the earthly man. And if you do, please tell me. I get tired of dealing with this man. Every day, can somebody say amen? Every day, if you want to follow Christ, what do you do? You, you desire, you deny, you die daily. Every day, we can't forget about this earthly man. So we often wonder, and I do, and I know that you do too, wonder about the balance of spirit and flesh in our life. Because there is a balance there. It has to be attained. You're not a spirit creature. I don't like that term. That you're a spirit being. And I understand sort of, you know, what that means. Yes. Yes, we are spirit beings in a way. But as long as you're on this earth, brother and sister, you're going to be carrying around in a body. And when that body is no longer breathing, you're not with us anymore. So in a sense, I guess we can we could look at ourselves as spirit beings, but you know, it kind of goes in a direction. The LDS church, they've got spirits that were in heaven and spirits came down and now you're no, that's that isn't according to scripture. But God does breathe into each baby the breath of life. Can you say amen? That's why we hate abortion, right? Amen. God breathes his breath into, of life. And, and so then we begin to develop as men and women. But you wonder about this order of how much flesh is too much? I have been with people who didn't believe that you should enjoy life. That everything you do should be should be sacrificial, everything, there, there should be no joy in life, only service. They're pretty miserable people. So does God want us to enjoy life or not? Well, let's go back to the beginning. Did God make Adam to enjoy being in the garden? I think he was having a blast, to be honest with you. And he got Adam over there, and he said, I'm going to run all the animals by you and see what you call them. And Adam, he just naming them this, naming them that, naming them the other. And, and there were, he was enjoying life to the maximum of what he could do as a flesh man and as a spirit man. God breathed in him the breath of life, and he became a living soul, a spirit. What's the balance that we need between 
flesh, and spirit. Have you ever confronted this in your life? And I know you have. I just, you know, kind of a question to throw out there to get you to think. But sometimes we feel like, well, my grandmother used to tell us when we were eating dinner, lunch, whatever, finish that lunch. There's kids in China who don't have any food. I can't enjoy my lunch now because kids in China, and I always thought by the time it got to China, that food wouldn't be any good. Did the Lord sit down and enjoy a dinner with his friends? Oh, several times. Did the Lord spend some time away by himself? It doesn't really say vacation so much. I mean, the entertainments that they had then were not, the Roman entertainments were no good like most of the stuff around us, but I have to believe that God designed us. Sure, there are, and if you look at the gospel, there, there are a lot of things that we may suffer at, but at the same time, God has ordained that we should enjoy life as it is. And so what's that balance? Where am I at with that? And so I think Paul addressed that when he says, that he advises us not to walk in the flesh, but in the spirit. And, and so, if it be that we are a spirit being, then, then what's the balance and where do we stop? So, should we pray all day? Should we fast every single day? Should we read the Bible through without stopping? Until we're done and then start again. I mean, like daily. Well, I will tell you this. Is that Paul also said that whatever your hands find to do, you do it with all your might. And he also said, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel denying the faith. And so there's a, there's a lot of issues that go on in life that we must do. We have to do. We don't have a choice. You have to do this. You have to take care of your family. And as God gives you strength to do it and ability to do it, you're going to do it. Say amen. And, and so life, is it to be unenjoyable? Is it to be a drudgery? You know, serving Jesus is just, just an awful drag. And all we feel is persecution. And all we feel is just, just, you know, hardships and hard things. No, I don't want to present that. But there's this balance between, and some people go over one way, and some people go over another. And so let's look at that balance for just a few minutes, all right? Your spirit should be directing your flesh and not the other way around. We get in trouble when our flesh begins to dominate over the spirit. That's where we start getting in trouble. Is when we're not hearing the Spirit now, we're hearing the flesh desire. Because the Spirit is not going to tell you, don't enjoy the dinner that you eat. Because God said, take it with thanksgiving and gratefulness and enjoy it. But when the flesh wants to go over the top of the Spirit, let's just take entertainments, for instance. That's so part of us. Is that when our flesh says, you go past the Spirit now, 
the Spirit's trying to lead you in a direction and, and no, I want to go to entertainment, then we have defiled that balance in our life. Are we sinners? Are we going to hell? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living your life properly every single day. And so here we are, Adam. Here we are, flesh. Your flesh is full of desires. Your flesh wants and wishes and hopes. As religious and as spiritual as you think you are, your flesh is still going to want certain, certain things. And it's not wrong if we're not flesh-driven. If we are flesh-driven, it will go over the top of the Spirit and defile our life. Everybody understand what I'm saying so far? And so a lot of the question about the balance in our life comes down, right down to what's directing our life. Is it the Spirit of our Lord Christ directing our life, or is it the, the, the desires of my heart? So, okay, most mega ministers are teaching the opposite of this. Most mega ministries are teaching the people that whatever you want, that's what God's going to give you. He's going to grant you all the desires that you want. But, but a lot of times the things we want are going against the Spirit in our life. And let me say this too. We, we talked about this just briefly the other day. Um, somebody mentioned this. Some folks are going to be required some things in their life that other folks aren't. I'm sorry, God's not making clones here. We're adapting to the order of Christ in our life. We're coming to His stature. But there are certain things that God is going to require of some people. He doesn't require of others because of your background, because of your makeup, because of your family life, because of a whole lot of issues in your life. And it would just be easier if we had a list of rules, walk the list of rules, and everything's good. But we have to come to a balance in our life. Everybody say amen. There has to be a balance so that spirit and flesh can abide in the same vessel. But yet we do not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. How do we do that? Because the spirit always would lead us to pray, right? So we'd have to pray 24 hours a day. The Spirit would always lead us to read Scripture and study and, and, and to fast. We'd never eat. So where's that balance at? It's fulfilled in this way. We walk in the flesh, but we are influenced to godliness by the Spirit. You will never not walk in the flesh as long as you're here on this earth. But we are influenced to godliness by the Spirit of Christ that lives in us. Let me give you an example. You may be watching something on the television and something come on there that you feel in your spirit. That's not right. Now you have a choice. I just keep on watching or I can say, no, I don't, I don't want that. So we can override the Spirit with the flesh but the spirit is saying no turn that off and so you put the flesh down and you turn it off can you say amen that's just like one thing i mean there's a lot of things in life but just 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 saying that 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 we've all 
had that happen. You're watching something, and you're so into that. You're so, so, and then something wrong starts to come on, and you know by your spirit right away, no, that's not right for me. And so I turn that off, and that way I keep the balance in my life. Can you see how it works? Can you see how it works? So the Spirit of God will only speak to you if you're going to listen. And say, I didn't hear the Lord. The reason why you haven't been listening. When he told you last month this and this and this, and you didn't do it, he's not speaking to you anymore until you do what he says to do. Line upon line, precept upon precept, God's going to lay something down in your life. And he's not going to build on it unless you act on that. Somebody say amen. Jesus said the flesh profits nothing, but the spirit brings life. So the natural man cannot please God in the natural. All of our good works and efforts and all the things that we do means nothing if we don't have the heart of God and follow after the spirit of God. Can the church say amen? Amen, amen. So let's go on. Adam's fall puts this curse on mankind, curse of sin. And there was no remedy for him to come back to innocence without the second Adam. Of course, Adam does not live to see the second Adam, but Yahweh, when he created man in his plan, we call it the Logos of God in the first verse of John there was already in the heart and the mind of God before he created man that the Logos would become flesh and dwell among humanity. We call it the creator became the created. The Trinitas does not believe that. The Trinitas says Jesus was not a created being. It says that the Son was eternal and was never, how could you have, if you're going to get a Son, got to come from somewhere, unless it's just a title thrown out there. So what is taught is that the Son oozed out of the hypostasis of God or the material matter of God. And that the Son was eternal. Well, if there was an oozing, then the Son was not eternal. If there's a starting point, you can't have it both ways. You say something's eternal, but, but it had a start. Doesn't, doesn't work. See, the Scripture's very plain that God took on flesh, that God manifested Himself in flesh, that the Logos became flesh and dwelled among us. This second Adam, this man, second man, Adam, was born into the earth. The second man was created in the womb of Mary. We just read the scripture. How can these things be, seeing that I know not a man? No, you don't understand. He will be called the son of the highest because that which is in your womb that will be done in your womb has nothing to do with man. It's just this, the, the, the egg that is there will be fertilized there by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So that which is birthed in you will be called the son of the most high. He's man. 
but he is the son of the most high. And so comes this great question. I, I think a lot of theology struggles here. But, but I'm just going to talk about the whole man, Jesus. He was birthed in the flesh. But he was the eternal father come down out of heaven. Jesus said it this way, I came out of, from, within God. The Son of Man was birthed by virtue of God, overshadowing humanity. And, and so we have this whole man, Jesus, but this whole man, Jesus, the Son of Man, who takes on flesh, who was born as a baby in the manger, he did not do what he did with the original Adam, is that he was not just snapped into life at full adult. But he learned, and he grew, and he studied. He found the balance of flesh and spirit. Sometimes we think of Jesus almost as magical. And, you know, in a lot of ways you'd look at him and you would, you would just, you'd just feel that and think that. But in other ways, they couldn't tell him apart from any other man. Because he was a man. And because he learned and because he found the balance of life. This is what I want to find. Church, I want to encourage you in your homes, teach your little children in your lives that you will find the balance of life. I don't want to go too far this way. I don't want to go too far that way. I want the balance that Christ lived in. He had the perfect balance. Everybody say amen. There was no struggle as far as he was concerned about the balance of flesh and of spirit. He kept them in perfect order as a son of man. And so when it says the second man was the Lord out of heaven, it's speaking to his fatherness, not his sonness. So I want to look at this for just a little bit. As the son of man, he said. Is everybody ready? As the Son of Man, he said, Thou hast prepared a body for me. As the Son of God, he said, I came forth out of from within God. As the Son of Man, he said, we talked about this a couple of Sundays ago, the things concerning me come to an end. But as the Son of God, he says, I am the resurrection, and the life eternal. So when you look at him as the Son of Man, we're going to see him equipped like a man. Perfect. I believe all the qualities came back. Everything that came out of Adam. Everything that God took to put in Eve. Because Christ is not going to marry. He's not going to bring him a bride. And I believe every quality that was ever in Adam was in the second Adam also. So let's take a look at that, and then we're going to look at us, and uh, we'll be going home soon.
So the qualities that God took out of the first Adam were manifested in fullness in the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Strength. So we talk about the masculine and the feminine, okay? Is it, somebody said this, the most foolish, stupid thing. They said in heaven, you've got, you've got, you've got the son and you've got the father and, and then you've got the, the feminine Holy Ghost and the son and the, son and the Holy Ghost get married. That's, that, that's the most stupid, ridiculous, awful thing. The infant in Scripture know nothing about the Scripture. But Jesus will show strength as a man. But he will also show the quality. So everybody ready for this? He shows strength. He shows strength and humility. He uses a whip in the temple. But in that same temple, or not in the temple, but he washes as a servant his disciples' feet. You see him on one side strong with a whip. He's, he's driving him out of the temple. He's a strong man. You look at him and say, that guy, that's a man right there. But then you see him down washing feet and you say, that's a woman's job. So he has strength and humility, right? He has judgment and mercy. He condemns the Jews, the priest, the high priest order, the Jewish rulers, and said, if you do not believe I am, you will die in your sin. Those same men throw in front of him a woman who is taken in adultery. He shows judgment, but now he is able to show mercy. Ending up saying, I don't condemn you to death either. Go and sin no more. The Lord forgave and pardoned her. It seems like for less of a sin than he withstood the Jewish leadership. He showed passion and compassion. He cursed a fruitless fig tree. That's a man. I curse you. You will never have fruit on you again. But then also he looked at the 5,000 who had been with him all day and they were hungry and he said, I'm going to feed them. So he had both qualities. He, he knew how to exercise the strength. Truth. He had truth and he had loving kindness. He came to his own with the hard facts and they wouldn't receive him. They wouldn't believe him. They turned him out. He was the Messiah. He was the king to come. He was Malachi's Lord that they were looking for. But they turned him out. And when they did, he wept over Jerusalem because they would not receive him. How often I would have gathered you together, but you would not. So he had truth and he had loving kindness and he was the greatest conqueror. You want to talk about the great man. This man conquered death. He beat death down. He conquered the power of death. He was a great conqueror. 
but he is also the greatest giver. There's a lot of people out there conquering. There's a lot of men out there that are, that are on a quest to become rich and whatever, but they don't know how to give. But Jesus, when he had conquered, he turned and gave it back to mankind and said, I've conquered death. I've conquered hell. I've conquered the devil. And now I am sharing with you my prophets to my kingdom, to my people also. He knew how to conquer. And he knew how to give. See, he had all the qualities. All of them were found in him. And the whole time, he's filled with the fullness of the godness bodily. See, Yeshua was spirit-driven, not flesh-driven. How many of you have encountered or run into the, uh, run into the little series there, the purpose-driven stuff? Has anybody read that? I didn't, I, you know, I, maybe I should have, but I didn't, and I won't. The Lord was not purpose-driven. The Lord was spirit-driven. There's a difference. A lot of Christianity is purpose-driven. Purpose-driven is not good enough. Let me tell you why. Because you get to define what the purpose is. Rick Warren, who wrote, wrote the series, he determined that the purpose was to unite Islam and Christianity. And basically was a start of a move called Chrislam. I don't want to be remotely included in that. Well, we need to get together on the points that we can agree with. I don't agree anything with what they're doing. Nothing. Zero. Nada. We don't have the same Lord. We don't have the same God. There is nothing to agree on. But Rick Warren found the purpose, and the purpose for him was to unite Islam and Christianity on the points that they could agree with. So he went to the Muslims in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles County, to try and get that done. Purpose-driven is not enough. Spirit-driven. And the word driven, you say, man, man, that's kind of heavy. Um, so, and, and Jesus was spirit-driven. Mark 1.12, it said, and the spirit at once drove him into the wilderness. So, we're thinking of, you know, the spirit is, whop, hit him with a whip, get in the wilderness. It wasn't really exactly like that. Let me, let me explain that. Is Mark used the word ikbalo. And the word ikbalo is to thrust out, to throw out of throwing it more physical probably Matthew used the same in the same context used the word uh they and it means to be led up Luke used the word egeto uh, that means to be led by accompanying so you could take any one of these words and it's going to work perfect for you sometimes the spirit needs to drive us Come on, say amen. Sometimes we're pliable, and he just, the Spirit of the Lord Christ just says, come on. And we go with him, right? And then sometimes he has to grab us by the arm and say, come on, we're going. And so any way you look at that, that's where we're at. And the Lord was driven into the Spirit or led into the Spirit or, or accompanied 
uh, rather into the desert, into the wilderness by the Spirit. And any way you look at that, it wasn't by the flesh compulsion. You see what's happening here? His flesh would have said, no, you don't need to go fast 40 days. You're fine. You're good. Everything's good. Just start your ministry. That's what the flesh would have said. But the Spirit says, no. No, there's going to be yet a time where you need to humble yourself in this process for the fullness, completeness of preparation for his ministry. And so he was led. He was driven by the Spirit. And so... Any one of those is going to work for us. Now I want to get to us for a minute. There is yet another Adam, and this is beautiful. We have the first Adam, the second Adam. We've got the third Adam. You've never heard this preached. I never have. Anybody ever heard preach about the third Adam? No, just the first and second, right? So surprise, today you're going to get to hear just a few minutes about the third Adam. We are not the first Adam. We're not going back there. We are not the second Adam. We're the third Adam. We are men and women. Humanity. So the word Adam covers men and women. You are a man or a woman sitting here this morning. If you don't know the difference, we're going to cast the devil out of you. But those that have experienced the new birth in Jesus Christ are the third Adam. The one went by the way. The second Adam prepared for the third Adam to come. And now we are in the place where God has designed, and this, this is, you could take this or, or leave it. You might think what God did way back there was, was, that's what it was all about. But God said he saw through the ages and he designed a thing in the ages. Paul said, we are the completion of this thing. We are at the end of this thing. God's design was to bring himself a church. I'm so glad I didn't live in the Old Testament. I'm so glad I didn't experience there were some great things back in there. But we are the completeness of what God intended in the earth. We are the final stage. It's the church. It's the born-again believer. It's that one who has Christ in their life. This is the design of God. They didn't have Christ. Christ hadn't come yet. Second Adam hadn't come yet. Only the first Adam. And then the second Adam came and now... The third Adam comes, which God has prepared in the likeness of the second Adam. And so, yes, we need to find the balance of flesh and spirit in our life, just like Christ did. And yes, we will live this life out continuously in human bodies until our last breath, just like Jesus did. But the third Adam will have an advantage that nobody else had. And that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Something Adam didn't have, couldn't get. The second Adam comes and makes it possible. Jesus, I'm, I'm going to talk about probably next week about John 14. Jesus said, I'm going away. Because if I do not go away, this cannot happen. If I don't go away, this won't happen. So I'm going away. And you and I now have the privilege, we have the honor, we have the advantage of having Christ in us, His Spirit within us. Can everybody say amen?
I'm almost done, so hang right in there for a little bit. The second Adam had strength and quality, right? The third Adam also, because of the second Adam, has the opportunity of strength and quality. So whether you're a woman or whether you're a man, and and the Lord said this, neither male nor female means any difference in the kingdom. There are different placements, but that's in the flesh. But as far as your spirit in the kingdom, not flesh nor blood shall inherit the kingdom of God. So whether you're a male or a female, you don't inherit the kingdom of God in the flesh. But it's in your spirit. Does everybody understand that? So women are just as important as men. Now all the women can say amen. I've had a hard time with this until I got to here. You're just as important as the men. Because there is no male or female in the kingdom of God, but believers in Jesus Christ. And, and so, here's what happens to us, is that whether you are a male or female, now in Christ, you receive, you're able, you have the access to receive both strength and quality in your life. As a human being, it's a little different, male and female. We're keeping it different. But what God does in your life, because of who he was and his spirit indwelling in you, you now also are able to have strength and quality. And so we'll preach about men being men, and I love it. Men are men. That's, that's what we do. I, there's, there's no way. It's Watch ye stand fast in the faith and quite you like men be strong says in first corinthians 16 chapter and 13 verse correct rebuke instruct call out sin and wickedness stand firm in the faith resist evil doers we got to have some strength but women that also goes over to you you need the strength to stand up and resist evil doing in your home you need the strength to stand up and rebuke and instruct children who are unruly. You need the strength of God also in your life. You're going to have the quality too, but you need the strength to stand up and do what needs to be done as a person of God. Because that access, it's there. It's there. You're still a woman. You're still a man. But that access of completeness is there. And so here we go. Correct, rebuke, instruct, but then he says, be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. That doesn't sound like a man, does it? Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And so men, women, be strong and be humble. Use righteous judgment... Get that judgment going. It's not wrong to judge. Somebody said, judge not that you be not judged. Now, wait a minute. Let's qualify that. In whatever measure you judge, you're going to be judged too. So don't frivolously judge other people and don't want to live up to it yourself. But you better do some judging all around us in this world that we live in. You need to be strong in judgment. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care how strong or frail you are in body. You need to be strong in judgment. 
but you also need the quality of mercy on the other side of that. Can you say amen? You need to be passionate. People without passion don't make very good Christians. I've always said this, lazy men and women make lazy Christians. You need to be passionate about serving Jesus Christ. I don't care if you are a man or a woman. You need to be passionate about it in your own heart, your own life. The Christ spirit inside of you says, be passionate about serving Jesus Christ. But then on the other hand, become passionate to people. I think that's where we fail sometimes. I know a lot of the Pentecostal movement has failed in that. We're quick to judge and with no compassion. We're quick, quick to be firm and strong and yet not feel the needs in people's lives. Speak the truth. Is it wrong to speak the truth? No, speak the truth. When we say this, you know, the Scripture says, speak the truth in love. But don't you love them more than the truth? Don't you lie to them so they can feel better. You speak the truth. That's the masculine thing that God does in our spirit. You speak that truth. I mean, it's going to get you in trouble. People are not going to like it. If Jesus would have just shut his mouth and not said anything, they'd have left him alone. But I advise you to speak the truth. Speak the truth into your children from the time they can understand it and begin to train them in the truth. Somebody say amen. And when they get old, they're not going to depart from it because you, you put it in them. You spoke the truth to them. But do it in love. There's that other side. There's that quality. It doesn't taint the truth. The truth remains the truth. And so I've had this said a lot of times. Pastor Rod, he preaches so hard that it's hard for people to receive it. I'm sorry that I haven't shown the love side of that, but I will not change the truth. Lord, help me to use that other quality too, that when I'm speaking the truth to people that I love them, Jesus did it. He spoke the truth to the, to the young man. He said, what must I do? He said, I want an eternal life. He said, you need to go sell everything you've got. That was the truth. He could have... He could have said, oh, just come on, and, and eventually, you know, you'll sell things. No, he said, go, go get rid of that. And the man turned away sorrowfully and said, Jesus loved him, but he didn't chase after him. He didn't taint the truth, but he loved the man. God help us. Can you say amen? Only by the Spirit of Christ in us because we're the third Adam. And then let me say this, be a conqueror. Be a conqueror. We are more than A couch potato doesn't conquer much. Oh, he might win uh, the remote battle. See who gets the TV remote. He might win a, a video game, but laying on a couch, you're not going to conquer much. But you're going to conquer because Christ is a conqueror. If the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So that virtue of strength and conquering that he did also dwells in you. What kind of spirit do you think you have in you? A little pansy spirit? No, you've got the spirit of the conqueror who prevailed over everything, including death and hell. 
And he has shared that with us now. Can you say amen? We become conquerors. The devil comes around to knock you down again, and you failed in that time after time, and you can't get over it. Rise up in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up in the strength of Christ. Say, I'm the third Adam now. I'm not going to fall to that. The second Adam has conquered it. He's the conqueror over sin. He's in my life, and I'm a conqueror over sin only by the power of Jesus Christ that lives in me. And we are strong in conquering. Come on, ladies, say amen. I want the ladies to say amen. Say amen. Be strong. Think, oh, it's just for men. No, that's in the flesh for men, but in the spirit. You be strong in your spirit. You better know what you believe. I'm not going to leave it up to some men aren't listening anyway. I'm going to leave it up to them. I'm going to get that spirit of Christ in my heart. And I'm going to believe right. Can you say amen? Amen. I, w I want to hear our men because our men need to stand up. And there's, there's a lot of things we failed in. There's, we have cowered at times. We have not done things that we can look back in our life and said, I should have put my foot down. I should have done this. I wish I would have done that. And all the time, God's causing us to be a conqueror. How many of our men want to conquer? Say amen. And so we go at it. We go at it by the power and the strength of the Lord. Third Adam. Third Adam and that completeness. We not only conquer, but we are gener generous, gen generous givers. That, that also flows from us. See, conquerors don't want to give much. They take. But you've got to have both sides. I'm a conqueror and I'm a giver in Christ Jesus. And in this way, Dare I say this, the fullness of the godness dwelled bodily in Jesus Christ. He was a man. He understood the passions of man. He lived like a man. But the fullness of the godness was in him. Should I even suggest that Christ being in us, that the fullness of of the godness can dwell in us bodily. No, I'm not God. But Christ, by His Spirit inside of me, makes me something that I am not. No wonder it says, without me, you can't do nothing. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so our sufficiency is in Jesus. I hope something's touched you this morning. Would you stand? God, we just bless you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. Something that we said today. Something would help us to believe, Lord, that. Lord, we are complete in you. The world thinks that we're not complete. They believe that they have completeness and that we don't. But I believe that you have made us full and complete as formed in your image. Third Adam's before you, Lord. We have advantages that the ages had not. Lord, and we thank you for that. I pray, God, that we will just desire to be spirit-led, spirit-driven in our lives, our conversation, our, our conduct of what we do, that it will glorify you, Jesus. 
We pray in your name. Everyone said amen.